Um, you guys know I got saved at Calvary Fort Lauderdale, uh, 1995, altar call. Uh, earlier last year, so Georgia was in 2015, that I watched the Wednesday night. I was doing my elliptical uh, in my house, and I put Calvary uh, service on my smartphone. I sit there, and I watch the service while I'm uh, doing a little workout. And it was the uh, night before uh, Pastor George had been brought up on stage with a small team, and you guys were headed to Cuba. And, um, and I just thought that was awesome because when I lived in Miami, uh, when I went to college in Miami, um, you know, I had many friends that were second, third generation Cuban families that uh, you couldn't go to Cuba. Uh, and the fact that he was talking about going to Cuba, not just going to Cuba, but not as a tourist, but going there to actually plant churches and stuff. And I, I had not heard people talking about that. And so uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I showed it to other people, and I said, next time I'm down in South Florida, which was going to be at that point like three or four weeks from there, and I said, I'm going to track George down and find out, you know, what's going on. Can we get uh, our, our church involved in a mission trip to somewhere in Latin America? And that was a, that was a desire of our heart. Uh, George worked with us to get the Guatemala trip set up, and uh, those of you that went on that trip, uh, George was you know, actively involved in that church that Pastor Jeff uh, sets up. But um, for the last uh, you know, several years, George has run Calvary Fort Lauderdale's missions uh, division or outreach, um, and so all the churches that have been planted by Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale throughout the Latin America area, but also Africa and other places, George was overseeing their global missions operation. And uh, now he has uh, just recently, and you decided this, what, a year and a half ago or so, that uh, that it was was going to be uh, a time for you guys to step out of that role. And he's returning to his native El Salvador to pastor a church as well as set up a a ministry. And he'll tell you more about it, but I just want to invite George up, and he's going to share with you not only what's going on in El Salvador, but a little about what's going on in the Latin American world, South America, Central America, and I think you'll be blessed. Uh-huh. Pastor George. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it, man. Well, what a delight to be up here in uh, Virginia. The weather was spectacular um, coming up and driving all the way up from Florida. You know, you leave that mugginess of South Florida, and you get up here, and it's like uh, there's something happening to the trees. They're all dying. I don't understand it, but... Uh, you know, they tell me it's just a change in the season. There's hardly no palm trees, so we're we're delighted to be up here. And then I gotta be I gotta be honest with you. We uh, walked in through uh, Tim and his wife and family's home yesterday, and and we um, we felt extremely loved. And uh, I I told Carolyn I said, you know, if if we're being loved here at um, in their home, I can't wait to get to church and. Uh, Wow, to my surprise, ahora en la mañana cuando estaba yo afuera ahí, eh, me presentaron a un par de latinas. ¿Quiénes son los que pueden hablar español? Ahí estaba, sí, la mexicana, ¿verdad? Oye, Chihuahua. Hay otra señora aquí también que más o menos un poquito de Cuba, cubana. ¿Quién era? Yeah, by marriage, that's right, by marriage to a Cuban family. And, um, but anyway, bienvenidos a todos, ¿verdad? Primera vez que habla alguien en español aquí. I wanted to remind Tim and the rest of you. Listen, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to be puzzled because you're not going to understand what they're speaking. They speak Spanish in heaven. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't figured it out, us Spanish, we're taking over. It's a slow process, but we're coming up north and uh, the language in heaven is going to be Spanish. So 
We want to recommend you get Duolingo on your smartphone and learn a little Spanish so you don't get lost when you get up to heaven. I went to Cuba six years ago. I, uh, I, I headed up the children's ministry at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale for the longest time. And even before that, I want to just share with you about a, about a minute's worth of, uh, of, the, of how God just worked in our lives. Carolyn and I had been married for nine years. Uh, year eight and nine were horrible. We had two boys, a year old, two year old, and I had started a new job. Carolyn had had to go back and she was a nurse and I was in business and the things of this world choked our marriage to the point where she said she was seeking a divorce, that I needed to leave the house to make us a, a, a long story short. I left the house and moved about a mile away from Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. I was invited to that church. I gave my life to the Lord, started getting my act together. Four years after we'd been divorced, uh, the plaintiff comes to the church to see uh, my ex. She comes up to, and she, she rode her broom that day. But you know I love you. <laughs> And uh, my kids were in a Christmas play. She comes to the church. She likes the church. She gets saved. Six short weeks later, we get remarried. God can do immeasurably more than you can ever think of or imagine if you just are a little bit obedient, just a little bit obedient. So if you've been saved here in this last year or two, just keep on keeping on because the blessings of God are going to freak you out here in the next few years. And anyway... So we got remarried. We moved up closer to the church. I was very involved. I came in to assist the children's pastor in the year 2000. And um, I left my cushy job and started working as a pastor or as a minister. And a year later, I moved into middle school, did middle school and high school for a couple of years, then came back and did the children's ministry for nine years as the children's pastor. Uh, and um, that... Um, there's 2,700 children that attend Sunday school every Saturday and Sunday. So it's a, it's a, we have 500 and some odd volunteers just to do Sunday school. It's a big church down there in Fort Lauderdale. So being here is uh, like, well, this is family. You know, this is, <laughs> this is really cool. And so anyway, and uh, then I was getting a little, oh, oh, with the children's ministry, I went to the pastor and I said, you know, could I do maybe something else? He always wanted a Latin to, you know, head up the Latin America missions. And I said, I, that sounds like an awesome opportunity. My first gig was to go translate for the existing missions pastor in Cuba. And uh, he bailed because he got sick and I got a chance to go uh, by myself. And the, the Lord just sealed the deal that... Um, I had maybe missed my calling as a children's pastor, although no, the children continue to be my first love. Uh, Jesus is my first love, but you know what I mean. And so I went to Cuba. Que cosa más grande? Say it with me. Que cosa más grande? Look at the, the uh, what's happening in Cuba is just uh, is unbelievable. The um, you know what you hear in the news isn't really what's happening in Cuba. The the uh, the persecution still is is heavy. Uh, the, I was telling Tim and his wife yesterday that. Uh, the, the, the way people get paid in Cuba is very communistic, and, and uh, the teachers make a dollar a day, the doctor makes a dollar a day, the dentist makes the same dollar a day, the street sweeper makes the same dollar a day. So for 35 to $40 a month, you can take a government worker out of his secular job, and he can be a full-time pastor, full-time minister. And so when I came back from that original Cuba trip, I... 
you know, my dollar couldn't go further in any country in the world than it could in Cuba. So I rolled up my sleeves and I did a lot of presentations and went back uh, on my second trip. We took uh, $7,000 and with $7,000, we were able to find a small home uh, about this size. Uh, It was divided. There was uh, at one point two families living. We bought the home. We knocked down the uh, uh, the middle uh, um, wall and we turned it into a church. And uh, that's home churches in in Cuba. They're springing up everywhere. And we've done about six or seven of these. You know, with uh, five, six, seven thousand dollars, we've got about a dozen pastors that we support at forty dollars a month, and they're able to pastor their little churches. It's it's an amazing thing what's happening in Cuba. We go in with a religious visa. You know, nobody they don't even check our bags. We go where we want and do what we want. But you need to pray for your Cuban neighbors. They're not that far. They're less than a thousand miles away from you know Richmond here, and um, but they have no rights. You know, they they can't leave and they can't say what they want to say, and uh, they are being allowed to believe what they want to believe, which is really good, and there's a revival happening in, in, in Cuba. Um, I, I've, I've got just a few minutes, but I also wanted to let you know that another uh, little neighboring country that we go to is Belize, and Belize is at the southern tip of uh, Mexico, and it uh, got its independence from England, uh, you know, not too long ago, and Belize uh, it's the only Latin American country outside of the U.S. where they speak English. And so there's a lot of missionary work done in Belize. And we connected with a uh, man that uh, grew up as a Mennonite. And if you don't really know anything about the Mennonites, the Mennonites were a group of German people that uh, left Germany back in the 1700s or so and went to Russia to um, uh, run from persecution and uh, in Russia, they were persecuted some more uh, for their religious beliefs, and they moved to Canada. And in Canada, they were persecuted, and so they moved to Wisconsin and Michigan. And from there, they moved to Mexico, of all things. And the Mexican cartel, finally, about 15, 20 years, ran a lot of these big landowners. They would go in these Mennonites communities, and they would, they would farm the land and make it just productive as could be. So this Mennonite community left Mexico and uh, struck a deal with Belize in that uh, if they left them alone and they didn't need to pay taxes, that they would take care of all the roads where they lived and have their own fire department. And somehow they uh, did this deal. And this Mennonite um, heard Chuck Smith in California teaching uh, he's the founder of Calvary Chapel, and, and uh, this is about 15 years ago, and he loved the fact that he would, you know, study the Bible, and they would do worship, and that was the extent of the service. And so he started doing it, and we got involved with him about five years ago. He's got a beautiful church, Mennonites, they, they are self-sufficient, they, you know, God has blessed them in that area of productivity, especially with their farmlands and things. This guy has got his own little his own little airstrip, and he's showing me around 150,000 acres that his family owns. And he's a pastor, and he's the humblest guy that you would ever want to meet. He lives in a very modest home, and, and every extra that he has, he's putting it in to bring the Word of God. He's got a little radio station, and all these Mennonites are still considered Mennonites, but they might as well be Calvarites because, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they're just like us. They're just family. Then uh, we move north a little bit, and we work with uh, about a 
half a dozen churches in Merida, Mexico. And Merida, Mexico is in the middle of the Mayan community. And there was this pastor out of California that was called to go and start a church in Merida. And his vision was not to really stay in Merida, but to plant churches in all these communities that the government has pushed the Mayans to live in. And so he's got like 12 churches now in the surrounding villages of Merida there in northern Yucatan uh, where uh, he ministers to the Mayans. And most of the uh, Mayans our age, I'm turning 60 this or turned 60 this past year, they don't speak a, a lick of Spanish or English. It's Mayan. And so the children are learning English, but they're devoted to teaching the children the Bible. And uh, it's a lot of young people coming to the Calvary chapels in Merida that are learning the Bible. And in, in the next generation, we're, we're going to see, I think, an explosion of Calvarites in Merida, Mexico. Amen. And then most of you guys that went to Guatemala uh, to visit Jeff Stone. How many of you had the chance to, you know, uh, go on uh, last summer's trip? Uh, great. There's a, a few of you that went, and uh, we opened that church. I remember signing the lease for this uh, place. Uh, Pastor Jeff still didn't even know where we were signing the lease, and it was just a, a humble place, and it was a little bit more of a test for a pastor that wanted to go uh, do missions in Guatemala. So we told him, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna work on this lease, and he was working on his paperwork and his visa. I'm boring you, ain't I? Okay, okay. So, and so, and, uh, and so where was I? I know where I was. Okay, just. <laughs> uh, so we signed this lease and Jeff moved in. He got there and he says, what? Are you kidding me? Well, you got to prove yourself. You're a missionary. You got to walk through that refining fire. And, you know, if you do well there, you know, be faithful in the little things and God's going to, you know, give you great things. And so he was faithful in the little things. And some of you can testify of what he has today. He, he's got a nice building, I think even maybe a little bit bigger than this. And, and he's got a youth building going and he's got a little cafeteria going and, and a church of about 100, you know, adults with uh, 750 kids you know how it is in latin america and so uh and, and and then if you move to the neighboring country you get to el salvador and that's uh uh you know my 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 home country uh the the name el salvador translates to the savior and uh, how many of you are saved and how many of you belong to the savior okay so, so savior el salvador so you're all salvadorians so <laughs> Now you got dual nationalities. So uh, Ministerios El Salvador is uh, something that my wife and I, about five years ago when I started in the missions, uh, the Lord started, started stirring my heart. So you may be here, and, and my words, uh, you know, today, next week, next month might, might do something. Don't feel like that. Oh, wow, that means you got to pack up and, and go, you know, tomorrow, but uh, the Lord started stirring in our hearts, Carolyn and I, to, to buy a little, a little piece of land, maybe a hundred by a hundred, and put a little home there, and fix a couple rooms up so that missionaries could come, and we could go do some outreach. And so we, we set out. Uh, we had um, stashed a little money, and we set out to, to, to buy a little piece of property. And so nothing became available. Lots of little properties uh, for sale, but we couldn't communicate. We couldn't get the guy to answer the phone or to, you know, call us back. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, about four years ago, uh, this girl that we had met that uh, surfs there in the community, she says, oh, there's a, a, a beautiful piece of land. You're going to love it. Well, we're coming down in the summer. We'll check it out. 
we get there, and it's like these, it's, it's mammoth. It's 14 acres. Uh, I'll make that story short. We bought the 14 acres. And so once again, you know, here we are. Uh, God is going to do bigger than anything you could ever think of or imagine. So now we're sitting on 14 acres going, what the heck? What are you, you know, what are we, what are we going to do? I was thinking of putting this little house. So we, we started with a little house, you know. We, we built this little house, and, and uh, it was a two-story, and, and um, we were done with the first house. And, and all of a sudden, our pastor, about a year ago at Fort Lauderdale, started a study in the book of Nehemiah. And, and I, can, I was sitting there, and he's looking almost at me. You know how it is sometimes? You know, you feel like that. He's looking at you. He's going to challenge me, this guy. How dare he? And uh, he says, you need to, even when he said, you need to, he said, you need to think of the biggest plan that you can because God is going to do bigger than you can think of or imagine. And I'm thinking they're going, maybe, we, maybe we're called to do a school or a, a clinic or a computer center or, you know, a sports ministry and a church and a second missionary. And so uh, that year I had an architect uh, do a, a rendering of what maybe a uh, eight-school, uh, eight-room school building would be, and we built this church. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, so we, we, uh, we got two missionary homes there, kind of dark there, but uh, you get the gist. It's just rooms where people can stay, but today we have 26 beds there, and uh, we, we want to we wanna help. Uh, the folks living in the United States uh, uh, fulfill the Great Commission to go, you know, to go. We're, we're, we're called to go. You know, uh, I was so blessed going into your lobby. There it is, go. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mandate of sorts. It's a, a gr- the Great Commission. And so uh, next picture, we've got a, a church built. It's in a very rural area, so not a whole lot of traffic. Uh, we chose to just keep it open. It seats about 250. I don't know why, but that's how big we made it. And uh, it's being used for parties right now and communions and, and a lot of Catholics in that area. So we've been befriending a lot of people in that area. Next picture. Next picture is this uh, multi-classroom building, and we're choosing to take the first classroom, and we're going to start a clinic uh, the medical uh, care in that community is just really so poor. And uh, then we're going to do a computer center in another uh, classroom and then a sewing center in another classroom and an English center in another classroom. And so my schedule is going to be from uh, 6 in the morning to 9 in the morning in the clinic from 9 in the morning. No, I'm not going to do that. That's where you come into play. You know, you're, you're a teacher. Uh, come down and help us uh, in the ministry. You know, roll up your sleeves, and if uh, you got a free summer, come down. We'll uh, have you teach English. If you're, you're a nurse, or you know, um, and can help us in the clinic on a short mission trip, is uh, we we we're going to do all of this that the Lord has shown me. If that you know the people come and and help us do it. Um, so my my job is going to be to to teach church and and to relax. And that there's the uh, two missionary uh, houses and. And the little soccer field, and uh, last week we put the last part of the roof on the, on the uh, children's classroom. Let me tell you just real quick, and then I'll be done. The children's classrooms, we um, are going to open it up for an after-school program. And the after-school program, we're going to feed the kids a hot meal uh, around 1 o'clock. They, they go to school 7.30 to about 12.30. They get out, and then many parents are working or out in the fields. And so this will be a place where kids can come. We're going to teach them. Uh, obviously, some, some, some Bible lessons. We're going to teach them some English. We're going to help them do homework. We're going to feed them a hot meal. And uh, Tim was asking me, well, how much is, 
you know, that part of the program going to, you know, run. And, and I'm going, well, you know, we, we think that we could feed um, a kid a good meal for about 70 cents with a drink and then pay the, a few workers to cook it, prepare it, serve it, clean, and that sort of thing. So that gives you an idea if, if, um, if you uh, in any way wanted to, you know, think about getting involved, you can get involved for as little as $3 a week. And, and that'll feed one kid, and I'll take a picture of the kid and send it to you and with their name and age and so on and so forth. So down the road, and now that's something that you might want to, you know, consider. Um, so that's a little bit about what we're doing. We're, we're actually, I finished my time as uh, being on staff at Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale after 18 years and 25 years attending there. Uh, this last month, we're trying to... Uh, uh, hit some of our friends in the ministry, you know, throughout the south part of the country to, you know, get them to, to start thinking about maybe going down for a visit. And um, I think Tim is is already planning for um, a, a, a short mission trip to get down there. And I would love, you know, for you to really start praying even now. You know, it's not ever too early to start thinking and praying. Would the Lord have me go on this trip? And and, and I think that, um, you know, being in ministry for, for so long, there's there's two things that are that are going to catapult your relationship with Christ, and one is to start serving in the church. So, if you've been attending uh, here for a year or two and you've never served, I'm not going to say shame on you, but I'm going to say, you know, go home and start thinking, start praying that God's got you and some works that He's prepared for you from even before you were born. And you don't want to miss out on the works that God has prepared for you. And so if you um, um, aren't a volunteer or in some way helping here in Richmond, well, you know, roll up your sleeves, get together with Tim, some of the other elders, the other pastor, and and just find out what could I do? Because I, I was faced with that question as well. And then the second thing that you can do to really um, uh, experience a, a quantum leap in your spiritual life is a missions trip. I am convinced uh, after taking so many hundreds of people on trips uh, in Fort Lauderdale and to see them come back with the kind of fire and the appreciation for what we have, you know, and that Paul said it best, he's learned to be uh, content in every situation when I'm, uh, when I'm in need or don't have and when I have. And, and I don't know that we here in America have experienced too much not having, you know what I mean? Even though some of you might go, well, you don't understand, I don't have that much. But when you go to a third world country and you experience the poverty firsthand, you come back and, and you thank God for that um, for that, even running water in your home and, and uh, what little food you have because when you see what they don't have and the joy that they have, it's like, hmm, materialism will never fulfill your joy. Amen? Amen. I'm going to have a table outside. I've got some flyers. I've got some cards. I'd love for you to pick one up. Uh, jot down your name on, uh, on a little clipboard that we have. We'll start sending newsletters, keep you informed. And I've given uh, your pastor a bunch of little ideas of what this church could do to continue uh, growing in that area of outreach. It sounds like you are already doing some amazing local outreach, but I think this a church this size you know, should already be thinking about, okay, you know, could we possibly come alongside and sponsor a pastor in Cuba uh, for 40 bucks a night or 40 bucks a, a month? Uh, could we possibly, you know, be feeding some kids in the third world country, not forgetting that God has called us to go 
and make disciples, yes, in Jerusalem, in our own backyards, but in the Samaria and in the ends of the earth. And we're just talking still here, Samaria and Judea, and haven't even gotten to the other parts of the world, which, though I hear that you've already been involved with some missionaries in, in, in Africa and, and in various other parts, so keep on keeping on. I love what I see here. Greetings from Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. And, um, you know, if I don't get to see you again, we'll spend some good time in heaven. Amen. All right.